Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all the social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators? Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we discuss criminal cases that involve some factor of abuse. Our goal is to spread awareness of abuse that could be taking place around any of us and encourage everyone to take responsibility and report if they see a child or an adult being abused. Larry Nassar was a talented athletic doctor. He got into the field as a high schooler and was a kind of prodigy when it came to athletics and healthcare. He became a well-respected doctor and many women swore by the quality of his care. But to many girls, Larry's healthcare was a nightmare they held inside for years or even decades. Larry abused the trust that these young girls had in him as a doctor. He even abused the trust of a family friend. Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Rosie. And uh, before we get started, we have a couple announcements. Uh, last week, we released our first Patreon episode, and it's available to all levels, even the $1 level. So definitely go check that out. There's a link in the show notes or on our Instagram or our Twitter mm-hmm. um, or just patreon.com slash VOV podcast. Yeah, we've gotten good feedback from it. A lot of people say that we're quite funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the What we upload to Patreon is a lot more... Um, Laid back? Yeah. Slapstick? <laughs> <laughs> I don't cut out as much of our stupid stuff as I do when we release this, so mm-hmm. it might be interesting to listen to for some people. And uh, we also have kind of a sad announcement, Rosie. If you do, you want to talk about it? Yeah, my cat Frito died this week. I'm super bummed out about it because he was my favorite kitty, and he was an orange tabby who lived. Well, we we adopted him as an old boy, so he at least had a couple of good years <laughs> for his life. I don't know about the last, you know, the years before I took him in, but. I had to put him down, and I'm really bummed out about it, and I literally, my face is so raw, and my eyes are so sore from crying, and my voice sounds like crap because I was crying. Yeah. Because <laughs> this just happened yesterday morning, so. Yeah, we actually tried to re- record this episode last night, and we couldn't even get through the first page because we were so sad. <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's just a cat, but he was like my my little shadow that followed me around, so. If you're rolling your eyes at me, stop it, because (laughs) he was like my little fairy. Yeah, and if you want to see a picture of him, we posted it on our Instagram, didn't we? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so (laughs) go follow us on Instagram, then you can see Frito in our little memorial post for him. Yeah. But... He will be missed. Yeah. Anyway, enough about that for now. Mm Mm-hmm. Who are we talking about tonight? 
When we were talking about Larry Nassar, and he was born on August 16th, 1963, in Farmington Hills, Michigan, which is a suburb of, D- of Detroit. He was born to Fred and Mary Nassar. His known story begins in 1978 at age 15. He got an assignment at a school, North Farmington High, as a student athletic trainer for the girls' gymnastics team. Yeah, his brother Mike had the position before Larry, and Mike actually had recommended Larry for the assignment. So that's how he got in. And Larry was pretty good at it. He earned a varsity uh, high school letter in women's artistic gymnastics when he graduated because of his work with the team. Okay. And in case you're wondering... What the heck is a varsity letter? Yeah. I wrote that down so we could clarify for us less um, informed people. (laughs) A varsity letter or otherwise known as a monogram, is an award earned in the United States for excellence in school activities. A varsity letter signifies that its winner was a qualified varsity team member awarded after a certain standard was met. So, like I said, he discovered he was really good at this this particular field. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I suppose so. And... Uh, So in 1981, Larry graduated from his high school with this letter, and he went on to study kinesiology at the University of Michigan. While he was there, he worked with the university's football team and track and field team. He earned his undergraduate degree in 1985. In 1986, Larry got a job with the USA Gymnastics National Team as an athletic trainer. By this point, he had been working in the field for eight years, throughout all of high school and college. In 1988, Larry Nassar began working with John, is it Geddert? Yeah, that's what I would assume. John Geddert at Twist Stars, which is a gymnastics club that's still active today in 2018, 30 years later. They specialize in offering classes to gymnasts from 18 months old to 18 years old. I was not aware that you could start gymnastics at 18 months. Yeah. Like, what What can you do as an 18-month-old? I know. They, they You start crawling on the high beams or something. <laughs> I hope the high beams are not involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, he continued his education at the Michigan State University College of... Oh, there's one of those big, long words for him. Oh. Osteopathic? You got it. Thanks. Osteopathic medicine. And in 1993, he graduated as a doctor of osteopathic medicine. In 1996, he got a job as a team doctor at the high school in Holt, Michigan. He also became the national medical coordinator for USA Gymnastics. This guy's doing pretty well. Yeah. Then in October of 1996, Larry married Stephanie Lynn Anderson at St. John's Catholic Church in East Lansing. They eventually became parents to two daughters and a son. Larry completed his residency training in family practice at St. Lawrence Hospital, and in 1997, he completed a fellowship in sports medicine and got a job as an assistant professor at MSU's Department of Family and Community Medicine. He started earning a six-figure income at this job, and his years of education were really paying off. He even co-authored six different research papers based on the treatment of injuries for gymnasts. Yeah, so he's really moving up in the world, it seems. 
you know, relatively successful man from the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on paper, he's done a lot. Yeah. In 2016, Nassar ran for a spot on the Holt Michigan School Board against two others. There were three candidates, but only two seats open. He received only 21% of the votes and ended up being the one that didn't get in. But even though Larry was a very well-respected and successful man working in the medical and educational field, he had a dark secret for many years that would eventually come back to haunt him. Yeah, so we're going to talk about some allegations that surfaced. And um, they actually came out just a few months before this election for school board that he lost. And at the time, they were just allegations. But you may be surprised, like I was, that he even got one-fifth of the votes. But up until this point, he was a very highly regarded doctor working with Olympians. So we need to keep that in mind. Um, As we talk about this case, it will come down to a lot of the same principles we discussed last week about being in a position of power. But in this case, instead of a celebrity like we talked about last week, this is a doctor one of the most respected positions in the world. And how he didn't think that what he was doing would come back to haunt him, I don't understand how he could, he thought you could get away with it. Yeah, like obviously yeah, it's the like, people involved were very well aware yeah. of what he was doing. But um, anyway, so now we want to be sure to warn you that the details of this case are disturbing and sad. And there will be discussion in this episode about predatory child abuse. So if that's too much for you to handle, this may not be the episode for you. Larry had been working for the USA Gymnastics for almost 20 years, since 1996. But in 2015, they decided to let him go after receiving some troubling, quote-unquote, athlete concerns. Yeah, basically, different athletes um, with the gymnastics team had been uh, coming forward, yeah, <laughs> coming forward with things they uh, were concerned about. Exactly. <laughs> so they were athletic athletes that were concerned. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now that I've explained <laughs> those two words, so a monkey could understand. Okay. Thank you for that. I just like to explain things in a way that I would understand if I was listening to a okay. podcast, because a lot of things tend to go over my head if I don't really think about them. So So just to be clear, athlete concerns are athletes that are concerned and have concerns. Yes. (laughs) They're not the athletes. They're the concerns. Okay. Anyway. I'm sorry. A year later, in September of 2016, a lot of disturbing things came out about Larry Nassar. So there was an article from the Indianapolis Star newspaper from September of 2016 where Rachel Den Hollander and another anonymous former gymnast accused Larry Nassar of sexual abuse. And then five months later, in February of 2017, three more former gymnasts named Jeanette Antolin, Jessica Howard, and Jamie Dancer. Um, apologize if the if the pronunciation's not correct on those, but um, please correct me if I'm wrong. They appeared on 60 Minutes talking about how Nassar had sexually abused them as well. They talked about the atmosphere at the national team training camp, the Caroli Ranch. Yeah, so this ranch was run by what seems to be two sisters, Bella and Marta Caroli. 
and they had been emotionally abusive to the trainees. The girls believed this gave Larry Nassar the opportunity to take advantage of the gymnasts because they were afraid to speak up about the abuse after the way they were treated. Yeah. So the U.S. Olympic Committee head Scott Blackman actually called this ranch, quote-unquote, an excellent model for the Olympic movement. But according to two-time Olympian Allie Raceman, it was a tough environment. Like the girls in the 60 Minutes um, show we're talking about, the showers were moldy and the food was so repulsive that she suspected they were purposefully served awful food to try to generate eating disorders in the girls, you know, to keep them thin. That is so messed up. Yeah. She she said the food just didn't sit well in your stomach and something wasn't right. But no one did anything about it and no one did anything about what Larry Nassar was doing there either. Ali said that the dorms room, dorm rooms were jammed with old bunk beds covered with stained blankets and sometimes Gross. crawling with bugs. Oh, that sounds so disgusting. Yeah, obviously she said she found it disgusting. Yeah, that. but those, yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Rachel Denhollander. Is that how you say it? I'm sorry. I would assume so, yeah. Okay. Rachel Denhollander from the Indianapolis Star article personally had been abused at age 15 on five different occasions by Larry Nassar on what should have been therapeutic doctor visits. And this is a pattern we see spread all over this case, sexually abusing young girls under the guise of quote-unquote medical treatment. We'll talk about it more in detail later, but... This doctor's office seemed to be his main tool of sexual predation. An Olympic gold medalist named Michaela Maroney also spoke up on Twitter using the MeToo hashtag. She stated that Nassar had repeatedly molested her from the time she was 13 until she retired from gymnastics in 2016 at age 20. She actually ended up filing a lawsuit against Larry Nassar, MSU, the Olympic, the U.S. Olympic Committee, and the USA Gymnastics. Yeah, that's a lot of lawsuits. The lawsuit against USA Gymnastics accused them of covering up the sexual abuse by paying her $1.25 million to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Allie Raisman, who we mentioned earlier, talking about the Carolai Ranch, also appeared on 60 Minutes. She talked about how Larry Nassar had molested her when she was 15. Gabby Douglas was another Olympic teammate who had made a tweet that was interpreted by a lot of people to be victim-shaming. It said that dressing in a provocative-slash-sexual way invites the wrong crowd. But after this, Gabby was criticized by another fellow Olympic teammate named Simone Biles. This led to Gabby Douglas apologizing for the victim-shaming tweet. And it turned out that she had also been a victim of Nassar's abuse. Wow. I'm surprised that Gabby made that tweet. But at the same time, she was probably going through a lot. Sorry, I'm adjusting my microphone right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to fill the time. <laughs> I know, but if you're talking, there's going to be weird noises over it. But oh, you're right. As long as we tell our audience what's happening, hopefully they'll forgive us. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, back to this. This... 
can be a huge problem. People blaming the victim for putting themselves into a situation that led to their abuse and essentially saying they deserved what they got. It's such an unfair statement because obviously no matter what you do, you don't cause your own abuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Another former national team member named Maggie Nichols accused Nassar of abusing her as well. For her, he used Facebook to connect with her and compliment her on her looks. Wow, that reminds me of my past. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't heard Rosie's story, it's episode 18. <laughs> well, we got a shout out to mm -hmm. your personal story. Mm -hmm. I mean, but we can see that this was the beginning of the grooming process for him with uh, Maggie here. Mm -hmm. It can be exciting to get compliments like this for a young girl. Right. And sadly, that's all leading into the grooming process. On June 17, 2015, Maggie's coach, Sarah Jancy, overheard her talking with another gymnast about what Nassar had been doing. Together, they reported Nassar to the USA Gymnastics officials. And remember, Simone Biles, the one that criticized Gabby Douglas for the victim-shaming tweets? She also came forward with her own experiences of sexual abuse by Nassar. Jordan Weber was another girl who stated that she was abused by, by Nassar while she was in the USA Gymnastics. So we just keep on adding to the list. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's so sad because it seems like, like you said, we're just making this huge list of victims. Mm -hmm. but. Just goes to show the massive amount of victims he had. And this is barely a fraction of the people that Larry Nassar victimized over the years. He had at least 368 victims it, at this point in 2018. Mm -hmm. It's mind-blowing. Larry was finally indicted in November 2016 on state charges of sexual assault of a child from 1998 to 2005. This was for one particular victim who had been abused by Nassar since she was six years old. Uh, we'll talk more about her later. It's a really sad story. In December of 2016, Larry was found arrested by the FBI after they found more than 37,000 images of child pornography and a video Larry had made of himself molesting underage girls. And on April 6, 2017, his medical license was finally revoked. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it took five months for him to lose his medical license. That's crazy to me. Um, following yeah. his... I'm sorry, what? No, I, I'm just agreeing with you that that does seem like a really long time. Yeah. But it takes forever to do anything with, the, with stuff like that. True. The slow gears of justice. But following his arrest, Larry's marriage started, started to get rocky, and his wife divorced him in July of 2017, and she got full custody of their three children. I wonder why things got rocky all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nassar pled guilty on July 11, 2017, to the child pornography charges and also to tampering with evidence by destroying and concealing the images. Never a good idea. Nope. Just throw them out there. Don't hide them. <laughs> They'll always find them. Yeah, it's so hard to actually destroy something. Mm -hmm. He was sentenced to 60 years in prison on December 7th, 2017. If he somehow survives this sentence, 
he will be on supervised release for life. What does that mean exactly? Supervised release. Uh, I would imagine you'd always have someone with you. Is it? No, I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. So I'm like envisioning you being on like a, you know, those baby leashes. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody just like taking you for a walk and stuff. Well, if he does get out, he'll be 114 years old. So that would be pretty funny to watch. <laughs> Uh, but it doesn't seem like he'll ever see the light of day again. Uh, and the more we discuss this case and really think about the true magnitude and numbers of girls that he abused, it seems very fitting that he's in prison for life. Mm -hmm. The judge mentioned that Nassar had missed several chances to seek help for his sexual urges towards underage girls because Nassar had been aware of his desires from a young age. She also brought up the point that there were likely several more victims of Nassar that hadn't come out yet. And it's true. We see the number just continue to grow. So if anyone that was affected by this man ever wants to come on our show, um, we'd love to have you. Please reach out to us at vovpodcast.gmail.com. I mean, there's so many survivors of Nassar's abuse, and each one of them really deserves to have their voice heard. I feel bad that there's so many victims in this case and we can't really, um, you know, be a voice for all of them. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, a lot of them want to keep their privacy and keep their identity safe. So that's also very understandable and good for them. Back on November 22nd, 2017, he pled guilty in Ingham County to seven counts of first-degree criminal sexual conduct with minors under the age of 16. Each count represents a girl he had molested, and three of those were under 13 at the time. A week later, he pled guilty to three more counts of the same charge in Eaton County. Thank you for glossing over that spelling error that I made. Wheel? Yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It's supposed to be weak. In January of this year, 2018, the number of women who had accused him had been 135. But as time went on, the number continued to grow. By the 31st of January, the number had skyrocketed to 265. That's in the course of one month. It more than doubled. The number still continues to grow at this point. 368 individual women have accused Larry Nassar of sexual abuse. Wait, I'm bad at math. It didn't more than double. Because double mm. 135 is 270. So, yep. if anyone else was going to call me out on that, I'm going to call myself out first. Okay. But, anyways, you can... It's crazy how large of a number of people were affected by this man. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, we can't say for sure. I mean, these are all accusations and allegations, so there might be a couple, you know, people mixed in there that are making up stories, but Mm -hmm. we don't want to assume that of anyone. And, I mean, either way, it's still a massive number. Yeah. it. I mean, one... Is a massive number. (laughs) You know, it's just like, it's a lot. Exactly. So how did he do it? Let's talk about that next. 
We mentioned earlier that Nassar had worked at the Carolai Ranch in Huntsville, Texas. This job lasted for over 15 years. He used the emotional abusive atmosphere we mentioned earlier to get power over these young girls and molest them. He also didn't have a medical license for Texas while he worked there. He targeted the girls on the USA gymnastics team. It seemed like this monster could take any chance he could get to take advantage of young girls. Yeah, one of the most disturbing stories to me is the girl that he had abused since age six. Mm-hmm. He was a friend of her family. And we'll talk more about her story and her impact statement in part two of this case. But it really makes you think about how people like this are able to manipulate children of people they're close to even and take advantage of the trust they have as a friend. Um, This is really what this whole case comes down to. Larry Nassar abused the trust people automatically gave him as a talented doctor and even as a friend to get the children that he could use for his own twisted desires. So this is why we need to be careful to trust anyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you do need to leave your kids alone with anyone else, like a nanny or a babysitter, it's never a bad idea to have some kind of surveillance of the house and make the person aware of it. And that leaves a level of accountability on the person. Um, So, like, even if they do have weird, twisted desires, if they know that they would definitely get caught and they're on camera, it'll deter that at least. But otherwise, you know, we need to be very cautious about who gets left alone with children. And also, in this situation, Larry would use the exam room as a place to practice his abuse. This part is really disturbing, so we want to give you a heads up before we share. Reports came out based on the victim's testimonies about exactly what Larry would do in the exam room. So this is your warning to skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to know what he would do. Larry would tell the girls that he had a special kind of treatment that would help their condition. Then he would do a range of different inappropriate things under the facade of, quote, medical treatment. This ranged from inserting a finger into one of two places on the victim to fondling the chest and other private areas. Yeah, and whether Larry interpreted the girl's frozen state as them consenting or whatever was going through his head, it's still a criminal act because they're underage minors, even if he thought they were consenting to it. Larry actually initially denied his charges, and claimed that everything he did was a legitimate medical procedure. Again, this is such a touchy situation because we want to respect our children's privacy when they're getting medical attention. You know, some exams can be too embarrassing for a child to want their parent in the room, but we want to make sure our children are educated about what to expect from their treatment and know exactly what would be inappropriate for a doctor to do. Obviously, there are exams that involve touching and examining these areas of the body, but those are special cases which we can let our child know what to expect. But any other time beside that, these things would be inappropriate. It seems obvious, but kids need to be taught in order to have the knowledge, so they won't need to be forced to just rely on an icky feeling, but they can know for sure and say, hey, this is wrong. Yeah. And please don't take this as us blaming the victims in any way. Um, We would never have 
even thought about these kinds of preparations before digging into this case, because why would we need them? But that's why we feel it's so important to understand these cases, because there's so much we can learn from them when it comes to proactive, preventative preparations. We want to put the power in the children's hands so they're, you know, able to be aware and know what might be going on. Yeah. Corny, but so true. Knowledge is power. Uh-huh. After Larry Nassar was convicted, there were over 150 federal and state lawsuits filed against him, as well as MSU, the U.S. Olympic Committee, USA Gymnastics, and the Twisters Club. All 18 members of the board of USA Gymnastics resigned their positions. The president of MSU, Lou Anna Simon, and the director of, of athletics, Mark Hollis, also resigned. MSU has agreed to pay $500 million out between 332 victims of Nassar to settle their lawsuits. It's the largest amount of money ever paid out by a university to settle a lawsuit for sexual abuse. And they really took quite a hit because of this creep. On July 18, 2018, 140 survivors of Larry Nassar's abuse got together at the Microsoft Theater in L.A. to receive the Author Ash Award for Courage at the 2018 Epsi Awards. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he is... His name's Arthur Ash, and um, <laughs> it was at the 2018 SP Awards. No, I'm thinking... Epsi. <laughs> <laughs> so we can see so far that Larry Nassar's actions had devastating effects on so many lives. Next week, we're going to talk about the impact statements that we watched from the victims and survivors of Larry Nassar. These statements to me are the most important part of this whole case. They really touch your heart and when you hear them, but especially when you watch them, um, it's it really affects you deeply. So we encourage you to go onto YouTube and look for those. And that's where we'll pick back up next week and try to really feel the full gravity and impact that this man's actions had on so many families. We can only hear a small fraction of their stories, but as we listen to them, we can try to grasp just how great Larry Nassar's path of destruction was mm -hmm. and not great in a good way, but... Just how massive it was, I guess. And reminder, our new Patreon episode about Jared Fogel, the subway guy, is available at all levels of patronage. Patronage. <laughs> Patreonage. <laughs> um, um, we're, I'm proud of it. Yeah, it's, it made me laugh when I listened to it, but that funny. might be because it's us talking. <laughs> but, I don't know, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, and um, I'll share a little tidbit, just a special little little juicy Subway Patreon episode tidbit. Did you know that the same ingredient that's in jet fuel is found in the Subway buns? Listen to the Patreon episode to hear me debunk that. <laughs> <laughs> Unsubstantiated. <laughs> You'll have to go listen to the episode to find out what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, be sure to subscribe to our show and leave us a review letting us know what you enjoy about our show or what we could do better. We definitely take to heart any um, respectful criticism we get. 
Or if you have anything to say about Fredo and how he affected you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Rosie would really love to hear your personal experiences with our cat. (laughs) Well, actually, Fredo had a pretty large role in our Patreon episode. You may have heard him in the background. (laughs) And heard me responding when he, you know... Oh, yeah. We have a litter box right next to us when we record. It's, don't say that. It is, it is, but it, I don't want to talk about it with our people. Well, anyway, that was his last appearance. So if you want to hear his last appearance on our show, go check out our Patreon. <laughs> um, you can follow us on Instagram at VOV Podcast. Twitter at VOVpod or email us at VOVpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your personal stories. And if you want to come on our show at any point, let us know and we'll um, try to work that out. Mm -hmm. And Ned, do you have anything else you want to say, Rosie? Um, No, I'm still feeling the effects of my little apple footer. Yeah. We're sorry if we sounded kind of dull in this episode or our voices were a little monotonous. We're still a little bummed out because it all happened yesterday and it was out of the blue. Like we weren't really expecting it that much. Like we knew he was old and stuff, but um, it was just really sudden. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but hopefully next week will be a little peppier. Yeah. And. We have a a new kitten that we're trying to adopt right now. So we'll, yeah, we'll see how it goes. If all goes to plan, his name's gonna be Black Bean Taco. Yep, and we're gonna call him Taco for short. <laughs> all of our cats currently are named after foods. We had Frito. Before that was Cheeto, and right now we have Queso, otherwise known as Quesadilla, and Otherwise known as queso dip. And zucchini. Mm-hmm. Zucchini, a.k.a. zucchini bread. Yeah, kini bread, kini bear. He looks like a black bear. I wonder who's listening to this part. Yeah, if you're still <laughs> listening, feel free to turn this off at any point. Um, but he's missing the tips of both of his ears because he was a stray and he either got frostbitten or else abused Mm-hmm. When he was astray, so he's our mascot. Yeah, and we love. We, <laughs> we love, love taking him. in. <laughs> he's so sweet, but we love taking in the, those animals with a little bit something wrong with them. Cause, I mean, someone's gotta love them. And the one we're looking at is also missing a little chip out of his ear. So, I really hope we get him. But anyway, we've talked long enough. About cats. Yeah. So thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. In five, four, three. Hey, everybody. This is Danielle. And this is Daniel. And I'm Carla. And we are Hoosier Homicide, a true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know what a Hoosier is. Do you? Yes. As a matter of fact, I do. Great. We don't need to look anything up. (laughs) Go to Wikipedia and type in Alabama Hot Pocket. No, don't do that. (laughs) 
And that'll tell you what a Hoosier is. Just come listen to us. You'll find out. Anyway, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Hoosier Homicide. You can also download any episode you prefer off of Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. We tell true crime stories with some random connection to our home state of Indiana. So come listen. That's what she said. For the love of God. (laughs) And for honest to goodness, stay out of the corn. Pretty good. That's horrible. It's true. So strange. Usually. I can't imagine what that's like. Do you want to? That could never happen to me. It might. Lock him away. He's pure evil. Or insane. Or human. My name's Kate. I have worked as a forensic psychologist, as well as in prisons and as a crisis clinician. My job was to figure out who gets locked up and who gets a key to find the humanity in inhumane situations. So, are you sure you really want to know? Yeah, maybe. Because by the end of the episodes, you just might end up thinking... I felt better before I knew that. You can find me at IWB Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, sometimes Instagram, or you can email me at iwbpodcast at gmail.com.